This podcast discusses difficult topics that may not be appropriate for all listeners. We are not doctors or therapists. None of our content should be construed as medical advice, nor as a substitute for professional help. Names and other specific identifying details are often changed for the privacy and protection of our guests. Our guests' experiences are shared as they experienced them. Opinions may not reflect the opinions of Beck and Ella or this podcast. There will also be adult language used. Lots of it. Listener discretion strongly advised. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Beck. And I'm Ella. And we're here with Lisa today. And she's going to talk to us about Trent. How are you, Lisa? Hi, I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Lisa. We've covered that. I'm a very busy single mom, part-time mom of my 12-year-old daughter. I run my own business as a fitness professional, and I absolutely love my work. I enjoy having a healthy, simple lifestyle. Um, I have my own house that I've worked hard on over the last decade to make a sanctuary for myself and my daughter. Romantically, I have had terrible luck in love. I am twice divorced. I've had a lot of short-term relationships, lots of dating. I am 48 years old. I've always wanted a loving relationship and I have a lot of love to give, but my experiences with men have been very disappointing. So, uh, and I guess that's going to continue here. We're going to talk about the last disappointing one. So, uh, what, tell us about Trent. Where'd you meet? What's the story? First, I'd like to say that I'd become kind of so disheartened at that point in my life, at this point in my life by dating that I'd given up and just said, forget it. I'm fine the way I am just running my business, raising my daughter. Um, I didn't really have time to go on dating apps or mess with any of that. And then out of the blue, one of my really good friends tells me that uh, someone that her husband works with had seen my picture on her Facebook and asked for an introduction to me. And I thought that was very interesting. And so they arranged a date. And looking back, this was all part of the allure because uh, you've always heard those sentiments like you'll meet the right one when you're not looking and you'll meet the best people through friends. Right. And um, so I kind of had this feeling like, hey, this might this might be something good. Um, and we're, we're going to call him Trent. Because it's another douchey name that is very similar <laughs> to his real name. But his real name is even douchier than Trent. In fact, his real name was so douchey, I didn't even want to go on a date with a guy. We don't want any uh, hate mail from Trent. This, That's your mom's this, fault, Trent. Not ours. It wasn't really Trent. <laughs> <laughs> it was a worse name. A worse name that starts with a T. Very popular names uh, between 1965 and 1969, I think. I don't gotcha. think anybody names their kid this, this name these days. But anyway, so I didn't even want to go out. I was like, why does his name have to be that? And then, again, people would say, give him a chance. You can't judge a book by its cover. So right. I overlooked this name thing, as I did many other things with Trent, in the name of not being too judgmental, right? So Trent and I meet, and we have a great start. Um, he was 10 years older than me. He earned great money, but he wasn't a, a workaholic. Um, his kids were grown and all of these things are a plus for me in middle age. A lot of people come with too much baggage in the form of like ex-wives, kids, financial issues. So I liked that we both seem to be in a good place in our lives for a start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was not 
very physically attractive to me. When I first met him, I was kind of a little upset with my friend because I now I could see why she didn't send me a picture. Um, when I walked in, like I saw him on the on the back of the from the back, all those rolls of flesh that bald heavy men get on the back of their neck. It's like a bulldog. I mean, it's cute <laughs> on a bulldog, but not on a man. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, I was just like, oh no. And, um, but, you know, I sat down and he was so charming. He pulled my chair out for me. He looked me in the eye the whole time. My friends were kind of not carrying on a very good conversation. So he was like very attentive to me. And the nicer and funnier he was, the better looking he got. Like, I can overlook a lot of physical stuff in order for somebody who's good on the inside. And there's something to be said for that, I think. Like when you listen to people tell their stories about narcissists, almost 100% of the time, it starts with, I was not immediately physically attracted to them. But then, and it's like, we try to write that off as like, I don't want to be superficial or whatever, but really it might just be our body like saying, this is not a person for you, you know, and we a thought I've had because I've heard that so much in people telling their stories. Well, and it's interesting to me too, that when you think of a narcissist, right, it's about the, the story is about this person that falls in love with his own reflection. So, and then I think we tend to think narcissist, oh, good looking. Mm -hmm. No, no, they, they don't have to be. It's not always the case. Yeah, Trent Trent was a perfect example of this. And I don't mean to be mean, but I mean, really, by all standards, he just was not somebody that I would look across the room and be like, he's cute. Sure. And also kind of look like he hadn't taken care of himself, right, over the years. Like this, and I lead a very healthy lifestyle. And like he hadn't worked out, probably hadn't eaten right lot of different things like that, that I was just kind of like, well, so he's a bit of a fixer up, or maybe I can inspire him with my healthy lifestyle. Sure. Trent was always a total gentleman in person. And we had all these wonderful dates. It's a holiday season. We meet right around Thanksgiving. So we have this fantastic Christmas, fantastic New Year's. I mean, wonderful, the most wonderful I've had in a really long time. And we felt very comfortable around each other. He did simple things like he had great manners. He's always on time. He's dressed nice for dates. And I know that sounds like, you know, simple things, but I've had my fair share of dates who don't even show up with a like an iron shirt on, much less bring flowers and pick up the check at dinner and get all the doors, right? This is Trent. Yeah. And I'm watching him, you know, they always say narcissists are are mean to service people. That's a telltale. He was nice to everyone. He never broke character in front of me. He over tipped people. So that was not uh, a trait that he, that he had. Um, Stinginess and selfishness was not something that he ever showed me. The chemistry and the sex were good. He, we started meeting each other's people, right? I'm, I'm introduced to his mom and I adored her. And then you always think, well, somebody's getting pretty serious about me if they want me to meet their mom. You Did know, that happen quickly? Yeah, but it was a kind of around since we met in Thanksgiving. It was around Christmas, so it was a Christmas event I met her at. Gotcha. Um, so that was kind of the slippery slope there. He wanted to go to dinner with my dad, and yes, looking back, I can see how 
he wanted to meet my daughter pretty quickly, right? And usually I have a six a six month rule, like we have to at least date six months for you to ever even go to dinner with my daughter and I. But in this scenario, again, sweet little Trent. Everybody says Trent's a great guy, right? So I think we're safe. That'll um, put you at ease for sure. Yeah, but you know, my girlfriend did admit to me that they did not know Trent very well outside of work. They did not know him personally. So if it didn't come out, don't blame her. Now, she didn't know he was going to end up being a psycho. Right. <laughs> so yeah, looking back, lots of love bombing, dinners and gifts and over the top expressions of love and devotion. Like he would send me these long texts in the middle of the day that I, I actually brought it up with him and teased him about it. I called him his love sonnets. Lisa, I will love you. I will protect your heart. You are my queen. All of that stuff. I'm, I'm like, you know, just a hi, how are you in the middle of the day would, would suffice. Like, he's like, oh, God, is it annoying? I said, well, it's just I just don't know what to make of it because I'm I'm on the floor training somebody doing a workout and there's like a paragraph, you know, it's extra Two extra. Yeah, very so extra. And then he would just explain it off. He's like, I'm such a dork. I was an English major. So I just am a dork texter. Okay, whatever. So anyway, gifting, lots of dinners. And this is hard for me because my love language is gifting. So it's very hard for me to tell when somebody's doing it to make me feel loved or if they're trying to manipulate me. And honestly... Which one of us, especially if we've had the misery of a stingy, selfish partner in the past, would stand up and say, no, I, don't, I won't go to this nice dinner. I want to accept this jewelry. I want to enjoy these flowers because you're up to no good. Everyone likes that. Right. <laughs> Those things. So he presented himself as a good guy who had always had bad luck in romance, just like me. And he was excited to meet his partner at this time in life. He thought he'd never find somebody, right? That's my story too. Everything was wonderful until the night texting started. Night texting? Night texting. At night, he would text things that sounded like something a drunken asshole at a bar would say. It didn't sound like him at all. And then when I would confront him about it, he would say that he didn't remember sending the texts or deny that he was being shitty as if I didn't have proof of it in my, in writing in my phone. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's when his mask slipped, mm-hmm. not in person. Uh-huh. <laughs> so odd. Like if you do that thing in person, you can maybe um, gaslight maybe your way out of it. Something, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, right here. I know right. what I'm reading. So the very first weird kind of texting thing that he started in with was sending me pictures of his exes or women he had dated before. What? Yeah. He sent me a picture of his last girlfriend, and I'm like, why are you sending me this? And he would say, because we were talking about her last night, and so I just, you know, I was telling you about her, and I wanted to send you a picture of her, so she knew she, I was like, that's not necessary, you know? And, and 
I thought maybe like, I think I talked to my therapist about it and she said, well, sometimes that's a way of people being more intimate with you, trying to be more intimate with you is sharing things. Now, maybe it didn't go over very well, but that's their way of saying, Hey, here's a little part of me. This is part of my past. So I feel like that's something a woman will ask for if she wants to see it. I always wanted to know what people's exes looks like so I can place it in my head. Like in certain stories, it helps me like know who we're talking about, but I would ask for that. I wouldn't have somebody just like, uh-huh. here's my ex. Like that's it's weird to me. Weird. It's weird. Well, it, like what, looking back now, obviously I realize that as he objectifies women, they're, right. just, they're just objects. They're just objects. Uh, Decorations. Which is a, a narcissistic trait. Showing me, showing me how hot his last girlfriend was, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then he would show them to me, and I would say, "Well, she's pretty" or something nice, and he would say something negative about them. Mm-hmm. So, which is also, you know, and, uh, and, and honestly, Becca, you said, you said that you would ask for a picture. What women do is we Google, we Google, right? <laughs> right. We hear. I ask. I met. We Facebook stalk and loose. <laughs> figure it out. And then we never say anything because we don't want to seem weird. That, right? I looked her girlfriend up. I'm hotter. That's what I was really checking on was who's hotter. So I want to so see anyway. if she can use your, your, and your correctly or if she's an idiot. So, <laughs> I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Um, yes. So as time went on, he would also, you know, the dates go on, right? We're seeing each other maybe two or three times a week, always a good time, but ever so often at night, um, let's see, he would text about things that angered him that I did or said in person, like go on a multiple text rant about how I wronged him and then say something like, I feel I have to distance myself to protect because you're attacking me. Hmm. So like threats of abandonment. And the first time that this happened was right before Christmas during our first month of dating. And he, he ended a rant with don't ever call me again. That was the text. And so I questioned marked it in the morning and then he reached out and he's just like, Oh, I didn't mean that. And I'm like, well, what's going on? And then he, he, he said he had blamed it on alcohol. We had been drinking that night and he said he had more after I left and that he just kind of went off the deep end, which I'm like, mm, I don't think this is going to work for me. Drunk yeah, words are don't. often sober thoughts, <laughs> you know, so like you're usually more honest when you're drinking. So mm-hmm. it's like you're letting you're this shitty person is who you are not the person you're pretending to be when you're sober and have your wits about you. That and that is a good point, Becca. Yeah. His inhibitions were down. So he he right. actually is this crazy person. He was showing you who he truly was, mm-hmm. but could only do it behind the screen of the text. Well, he doesn't have to be there to see my reaction. Mm-hmm. Or take any kind of accountability. Nice, nice Trent would never do that in person. So he begs me for another chance, right? I almost just don't see him anymore after that because it's so weird. 
And he takes me to dinner and gives me this sob story about how his ex-girlfriend, well, we're going to go back to ex-girlfriends now, degraded him all the time. And now he's just super sensitive to what he perceives as any kind of criticism, which is more red flags because if someone that you're dating is blaming their behavior on a past relationship, then they probably need to do some work on that. And I explain all this. We talk about all this. And I reiterated myself. I said, I've said over and over, it's communication. Like we're not going to be perfect. And in relationships, we all say and do things that might unintentionally hurt our partner, but adults talk about it in person and we try to find a solution you know text is a terrible way to communicate especially about disagreements yeah he would agree agree, and he would go along with it he would do a lot of the things that i asked him to do i'm just like you know maybe you need to see a therapist he got a therapist he liked the therapist he would tell me about what the insights the therapist had so anyway it goes on weird weird texting he was obsessed about my sexual history. So extreme jealousy, right? Another red flag. He Extreme insecurity, uh, just like with the criticism, it's like all indicative of extreme insecurity. I mean, and it's always done really like, it, it sounds blatant here, but it's, it snuck up on me in person because they are because he was so intoxicating right i'm i'm in this little like am i in love or what's happening here so anyway he always complained that his previous partners weren't sexual enough for him and that he always wanted a more sexual partner but he always seemed really conflicted about my sexual confidence and openness with him Like I'm very secure in my sexuality and I enjoy sex a lot. And I like to be playful and enjoy myself. There's not like a script I follow in the bedroom. Like I switch positions, you know, I'm just, I'm being sensual. I'm being myself and I'm very confident in that, in that realm. As it should be. Mm -hmm. He acted like anything out of the missionary position was bizarre. Like he would go out, he would go along with it in the moment. But I think that that was just him being secretly disgusted and waiting to text about it later. So he he wanted his ex-girlfriends to do more missionary. (laughs) That's what he means by, oh, sorry, like more sexual. You just want to do this one thing more. If I wanted to, if I wanted to do a different position, he just seemed very hesitant about it. That's so weird. It's so weird. And I think it's because he hasn't had this kind of sex before. That it's been very like, this is how you do it. You kiss and then you touch and then maybe you lay down and you do missionary and then that's it. Yeah, he hasn't been exposed to not sexually other (laughs) Right. Not sexually experienced. The quote unquote norm Um, vanilla. Vanilla. There we go. Vanilla. Later on, later on, he'll accuse me of acting like a porn star in bed. Okay. No, the most I did was switch positions. (laughs) You're such a porn star. (laughs) I mean, he acts like I asked him to spit on me and like call, you know, call him daddy or something. 
And, and not that there's anything wrong with that. We're not cake shaming. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> I just have never been with an adult man who's had a problem with the way I am in bed. Right. Yeah. Um, he definitely had a lot of insecurities. So obsessed with who I obviously. So in retrospect, I realized this guy has a whore Madonna sure thing going on where any woman who enjoys sex is not respectable and mm-hmm. and that i should have put on this whole nice girl thing even though in the beginning i said i'd like to wait to have sex until we got to know each other more because i felt like there was something really to this emotionally and when i said he said well like how long i'm like i don't know maybe like an end of three months he goes I've never had to wait three months for sex before. Mm-hmm. So there was no win with him. Right. Because it wasn't even about you. It's his own shit. Yeah. yeah. So I asked him to come to the my gym with me. And he texted. One of the first things he texted was, who did you fuck there? Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> stupid Men questions. And women. Stupid I, I fucked them all. <laughs> the staff. The janitor, all seven hundred members. Um, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I just and I just I wanted to be a smartass, and I sh- and I and, and I wish I would have come back and more angry and let him have it. But I took the high road, and I was like, that is such an inappropriate question. Like it's none of his business. What we do as adults with other adults in the past is no one's business. Hundred percent. No, it isn't. Yeah. Sharing too okay. much sexual history with part with new partners is usually a no a no win situation. If you were throwing out your hip at the gym, why would you want to bring him there? Correct. You know, like if you're, <laughs> yeah, I love that term, Beck. <laughs> <laughs> I would think I would think wow if she were not wanting me to come to this place with her then that's when you'd feel that's why that's when you need to start questioning some things so of course he doesn't he doesn't understand any of this rationale and eventually I just say you're not coming there with me just forget the invite and he's and then he justifies it again with the excuse that his ex-wife cheated on him at the gym so that's why he wanted to protect himself again bringing more baggage more into a current situation that's unnecessary again the drunken guy at the bar saying sexually off stuff like one night he texted to me i don't want someone who has sucked and fucked a hundred cocks what's wrong with <laughs> but what's wrong with that right like if no. you want to go girl what's... well not only that are you, trying to me? are you saying that i have right right dick I mean, I know I haven't had that much dick. And I and I think this is when I get so frustrated. I finally just like, let me just quelch this little argument that you're having right here. I haven't had 100. I'm 48 and I've had 20 or less. That was the wrong thing to say because he went all off on that. 20? I could never be with somebody that has 20. I'm like, then don't. You know, at this point, we're about three months into it and and these little bombs keep going off. And I just guess I can't believe that this like grown 58 year old grandpa 
is texting this stuff like a child clutching his pearls over 20 people that is not a high number number doesn't matter anyway but if we were going it does a number like that is far under average yeah way under average at no point did his slut shaming or whatever which we haven't even gotten into the depth right. of it yet, right that only starts after i dump it but um um, at no point am I, I'm just like, man, you just are not that experienced. And I just think it'll get better in time. And I'm, and I'm, but I'm, I talk to a lot of people around me. I talk to my tribe, like my friends, my family, certain people that I work with, maybe certain clients. If something's going on, I talk about it. Maybe that's a bad trait. I don't know, but no, it's perfectly healthy. My one of my friends said, Lisa, are you very, are you very um, familiar with alcoholics? Because he sounds like he's an alcoholic or he's drinking. And this makes sense to me. I'm like that. Um, I was like, he admitted it that one night after we'd been partying together. But here's the thing. Trent never drank a lot in front of me. When we were out, I was the drinker. Because he I was trust the himself one to keep it together. Glass. Yeah, he, he didn't want to he didn't want to reveal that Matt. He didn't want to reveal his true self to you. So, I, I mean, so he had to keep it together. So he wanted I, to keep his I, wits I, together I, for all that hot missionary he was preparing for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he needed to be able to perform in that missionary position <laughs> later. But you are going to have a fit later. Like, this is why I want to give you guys the emails and just take all the names and stuff out and publish the emails on your website so that people can read all of the, all of these pearls. We absolutely will. Yeah. Because I can't, there's no way that I can, um, there, that I can verbally express how, how bizarre it gets. But so I confront him, you know, are you drinking at night? And he denies and denies. And until finally he admits, and I'm just like, why wouldn't you just admit this? Cause it's embarrassing. So I'm like, so you'd rather have me think that you're a crazy person than you have a little habit at night, right? Like a lot of people have a drinking habit at night. He's like, well, you said alcoholic. And I said, well, if you're dependent on it and every night you come home, you have too many drinks to the point where it makes you hateful, then yeah, that's a form of alcoholism. Definitely. And you need help. Mm -hmm. And then he, and then he says, but I'm not drinking a lot. I'm only having like one or two. It's never affected me like this before. So this is when my trainer brain goes in because I work with a lot of pre-diabetic people who've had poor lifestyle over the years and they can't tolerate any alcohol. It messes with your blood sugar too much and you'll have a diabetic reaction like the scene from Steel Magnolias when Shelby <laughs> has to drink her juice because she loses her shit. Right. Because um, her blood sugar is low. She's diabetic. Right. So I'm like, you need to go to the doctor. Okay, and get your and get your your blood sugar checked. So he does, and it checks out that he is pre-diabetic. She puts him on medication. He can't drink. Does it fix it? No. Mm -hmm. He just starts being more quiet with me at night. So now we're on silent. Like I can't. I have to reach out for like a good night, right? He's just not not talking as much. 
And honestly, that's the opposite extreme, right? That's like an improvement. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I would be, I told him, I said, sometimes I'm afraid to look at my phone. Like, cause I don't know this person that's in there. Right. So anyway, things go along because like most people in a new relationship, we just want things to last. And the good was still far outweighing the bad. And we had a beach trip planned together which we were both looking forward to. And this was another thing, a little tactic of his, is he was always planning trips down the road. Like we had three other trips, he had three other trips planned into next year for us. Um, Now he did admit to me that he enjoys travel. His mom enjoyed traveling too. We were gonna go on a cruise with her because she wanted us to go and help her because she has a little bit of um, problem. She has MS, so she has a problem like getting her walker around and stuff. So she wasn't totally feeble, but she wanted somebody along to keep her company in. And she was great. So that was going to be fun, but he was always giving me something else to look forward to, right? Like Mm -hmm. To keep you on the hook. Mm -hmm. Carrot dangling. Yeah. Yes. So we, um, the vacation was wonderful. Like, we never have an argument. It's great. It's easy. It feels comfortable. Like we always feel in person with each other. Every time we come back and the night after I go home, he starts in again with the texting being shitty on text. And I'm like, why are you doing this after we've just had a wonderful five days together? Codependency. Like I would leave and he was, he, he would lose his shit. Mm -hmm. So I finally get to the point where I'm just like, worn out what i don't realize is happening is my fight or flight is being triggered over and over and over again and i'm just in a cycle of being constantly like one day i feel giddy and in love and everything is fine and then the next day i'm feeling low because i'm feeling very unsure about this situation there are tons of studies based on the premise that the reason it's so hard to leave toxic relationships, it activates the same place in your brain that a drug does. So like an addiction, Mm -hmm. because if it's bad all the time, it's easy to walk away from that. Or if it's good all the time, it's good. But it's the the roller coaster that becomes a cycle and an addiction because you're waiting for that next high or whatever. Mm -hmm. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm noticing that like my sleep is off. Right. So these are all things that just a person who lives a healthy lifestyle, like I'm realizing that I'm off yeah. and my clients are men- mentioning that my energy is off. I'm having some issues around that. Right. Cause energetically I have to be on for my clients when they mm-hmm. come in. Out, right. There's no, I'm in a bad mood today. Let's work out. Except it's I, me. I'm already in a bad mood because I'm working out. So <laughs> I need my trainer to be in like an excellent mood. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you need to motivate my ass to pick up this weight. Not, Not counting on you. Talking, talking about some crazy shit your boyfriend texted you the night before. <laughs> Regaling us with tales of this wild missionary. <laughs> the wild missionary there's a title of an autobiography if i've ever heard one my boyfriend has this sick move it's missionary (laughs) it really gets me going (laughs) oh my god 
He was really good at oral sex. That's one thing that I, that I really do miss. That's surprising. I don't know. I don't know what it was, yeah. but he was very, very good at that. That is a must. That's That'll help you overlook a couple things too. Yeah, it will. <laughs> it sure will. I feel, like that, I feel like that. I feel like that head that he gave me just kind of. I would think about it too. I'd be like, "Oh my god, that head!" I just can't. So anyway, and I told. Oh, this, that was another thing. I complimented him in bed on that one time. How good he was at it. All he heard was how many other men have licked my pussy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that he's the best. So there must be others. Right. And this right. will come out. This will come out later in a text or an email. He was focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. It should have been like, I'm actually a virgin. I know I have this daughter and I've been married twice, but I've actually never had any of the sex. <laughs> like, I feel like he would have just bought it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be a smart ass <laughs> like a question. that. No, I wouldn't be a smart ass like that. I would say, you know, <laughs> we're both, you're in your 50s and I'm in my 40s. Like, this isn't our first rodeo. Like, right. good luck finding a 48 year old virgin. Like you want somebody who enjoys sex and you like it, but it has to be just a certain way and proper. I mean, it's it, so one thing that I've learned and we'll get on with the story here in a minute, but I, I do want your readers, if any of them are into reading more about this, there's a book my therapist gave me that, that shed light on the whole thing. And it's called, why does he do that? And it's a psycho, uh, a psychiatrist, psychologist, I don't know. Um, who studied abusive men and it's all about power and control. Yeah. I didn't understand that. I always thought maybe abusers were doing it to be mean. Abusers had been abused themselves, that it's a psychological issue. No, it's a moral issue. They literally have no respect for another human being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that shed light on the whole thing. A lot of his behaviors, the missionary, the controlling, you know, I'm jealous, yada, yo. Anyway, so I, the, the behavior just keeps repeating, right? We know the behavior now. And either he's a closet alcoholic or he has terrible communication skills or he's just crazy. All of them are deal breakers for me. I don't remember if I called him and broke up or if I did it in a text, but uh, I broke would have been poetic. Yeah, I <laughs> And I said, I, so I left my phone in the car and I went out with friends because I just wanted some fun. I'm like, I don't want any chance of him texting me and disrupting me. I want to go blow off some steam and enjoy this night. This early spring night, wonderful weather. Have lots of fun, great mood. I get back in and check my phone and there's about 20 separate short texts telling me that he told all of his friends, which by the way, I never met any of his friends, so I don't think he actually has any. Hmm. Um, All of my sexual history, he said, I told my friends that you slept with 20 people and they all say you have no moral compass and you are a whore by all standards. Wow. Which, you know. What does that mean? What is a, what, what's a whore by all standards? What are the standards for a whore? Let's, let's get into this. (laughs) Here he goes again. I don't know. Standardized whore. The standardized whore. Like there's a government agency that goes around and (laughs) does a test and standardizes you and says, you are a whore. You've been with 20 people. You're a whore. 
I mean, yeah. he, he accuses me of so many things like I, he, um, a gold digger. I'm like, if I were a gold digger, I'd be putting up with this shit and taking your vacations instead of dumping you. Right. And at this point, I realize he's nuts. So I'm going to state facts. I'm going to be brief. And I'm going to ignore or try to ignore a lot of what he says, because now he's going to go off the rails. Mm-hmm. I mean, text, um, every kind of slut shaming derogatory thing he can think of. And I really cannot oh, wait until we as a society move away from all of this patriarchal, puritanical bullshit. Like there is nothing, sex should be amoral. You know, like if you're a consenting an adult, it has nothing to do with morals. If you want to go out and have some hot missionary with 200 people, you should be able to do that and be proud about it and enjoy it, whatever. Yeah. I hate it. It's so annoying. It is. And the, and the book that I read talks a lot about how it, a lot of this abusiveness and controlling behavior comes from the patriarchy, right? Yes. Yep. This idea that a man can own a woman. Mm-hmm. And I think that Trent really thought he could own me with his gifts and his money and his and his vacations and offering me all of the stuff that he thought could buy me. Yeah. Um, he definitely sounds then, like he has a lot of boomer mentality. He did seem to be older than 58 <clears throat> mentally. And he would do things that were just like, so he would say shame on you. I'm like, who says oh, shame? Oh, man. Really? <laughs> <laughs> He took Bertie and I shopping. You didn't even have Bertie write me a thank you card after I took you guys shopping. I'm like, a thank you card? (laughs) What? He would come up with the idea, like, I want to take you and Bertie to dinner and let's go shopping. And then act like we put him out. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, but he didn't set boundaries around it. He said, do you want to go in here? And if you're going to get your credit card out and tell me to go shopping, I'm going to make it swipe like <laughs> faster than left swipes on guys holding <laughs> fishes on Tinder. Yeah. And I asked him, I'm just like, what is this all for? And he's like, cause I know it makes you happy. I want to see you happy. And I enjoy doing it. So, I mean, and then later act like I completely put him out. So he said, he said, it was so disrespectful the way you piled clothes on the counter. I'm like, that's the wrong word, English major. Advantageous is the word that you are looking for. You know, it's actually disrespectful. Calling somebody a standardized whore over text. (laughs) Yeah. He would call me out on all kinds of shit that he did, which is another trait. It's a reflection of how he feels about himself. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, and he only heard what he wanted to hear, like even on the beach and like, he accuses me of being a narcissist. Okay. That I'm full of myself based on this. We're on the beach in Turks and Caicos and I look around and I say, wow, I'm really surprised that I still have one of the better physiques here. I thought there would be like some 24 year old hotties bouncing around in their string bikinis. Right. And I'm like, and here I am 48 and still looking pretty good in my bikini. All he heard was I'm the best looking person on this beach. Right. And you should be proud of that. You've put a lot of work into that. You've been intentional about taking care of yourself. Definitely. Yes. And, Something and to celebrate. I would never go around. I would never go around saying things like that. Look at me. No, that's not what I said, moron. 
So we'll go back. It was, let's see. So anyway, he keeps on coming with the texts and then I block him, of course. And then he comes in my fucking email and social media, right? Come in the back door. Mm-hmm. So he pops in. On no, my he doesn't feet. do that. Only missionary. Only missionary. He never no coming in the back door. Any attention to my professional Instagram account? Okay, he never looked at it. The one time that he did look at it and he saw one of my fitness pictures on there, he goes, "Wow, I wonder how many guys jerked off to that." Ugh. Yeah, hopefully a lot. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not very good at my job if I can't Hopefully elicit some people jerking off over my picture. Hopefully they liked and followed Trent. I don't think Trent would like me very much. No, but the great answer is hopefully a lot. <laughs> this is a business here trying to promote. And he would, and this is what he would DM. Hey, whore. (laughs) Hey, how you doing? Wow. So blocked in there. Then he comes in my emails and they go to like this harassment folder that uh, I set up, but I can't help but go in there and look because at this point I'm creeped out. Like this goes on for two months. He's in my, my email talking to himself. Wow. I'm not responding. But he'll send me like 10 to 20 emails at a time that's like 1230 in the morning on a Monday when the rest Mm -hmm. of the working world is asleep. He's up obsessing and not sleeping, which is creepy. Sending me emails that are in the forms of texts, like they're short. Mm -hmm. They're not long paragraphs like a normal email. (laughs) One said, hey, slut, um, I want my jewelry back. And if you don't give it back, I'm going to, or wait, wait. I got, I got to go back. I got to tell you about all the things that he said about my uh, vagina. Um, what? He started attacking my body. Um, I, my, you're so proud of your tits, but I've seen better. Um, I'd be embarrassed to take you to an event because you'd be having your tits pop out. The mm-hmm. one work event he took. Me I'm to- embarrassed of your neck popping out. And I don't say that to you. <laughs> but I just, I just hold all that in. I just don't say that because it might hurt your feelings. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, the one outfit that I wore to a work event with him, I was a turtleneck. That's how, cons- like the most conservative shirt top you can wear. So it's ridiculous. Um, your pussy is as big as the Grand Canyon. What? Like the actual Grand Canyon? Yeah. Yeah. The Has he ever part. thought that maybe his dick is too small? Yeah. I mean, that's what I, I, I wanted to say. I want, these are things I don't respond. I'm not responding to him because if you respond to him, it gives them right. Oh yeah. <clears throat> it just gives them fuel. That's, that, yeah. that's really what they want. Yeah. They're they going to throw money. everything at you to get a, a rise out of you because that's what they're drunk on. They want your to control attention. your emotions. They want to know that they took up a little part of your day. Yep. And he would say that too. I would just say, I was just like, he, he would say, I didn't know that you read that. I'm like, can we all just agree that if you hit send on an email or a text that the, there's a very, the likelihood is high that that person's going to read it. Yeah. Right? We can all agree on that. Like get a journal and write this shit in and then burn it. Don't let anybody see it. Cause it's pretty awful. Right. Um, your mm-hmm. pussy is so wide from all the guys pounding in it. All my 20 guys. 
And like, that's not, not that it matters, but like, that's not even how the female body works. <laughs> no. Like your vagina does not get bigger based on how many dicks you have had in there. <laughs> For everyone at home. Like, yeah, that's not how it works. Clear that up. That's how it works. <laughs> the vagina is pretty amazing and can fit a baby out of it and is made to be very elastic. I mean, that's so. where I keep all my snacks and treasure. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. For those of you at home, I don't actually keep snacks and or treasure in my vagina. No, those go in your cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's just ridiculous, though. It's so I ridiculous. Don't, I yeah, don't, it's so just, juvenile. I totally very like, juvenile. And he's just trying to tear you down. And like you see, said before, take some the, space in your brain. With the vagina stuff. With the vagina stuff. And then, and then I was just like, lawyers, okay, well, you get your lawyers to get your measly jewelry back, and I'll get mine to sue you for vaginal defamation. <laughs> I had perfect five-star reviews on this thing until you. <laughs> so anyway, um, I try to ignore the emails, but it's really hard to ignore it because I'm, I'm wanting to see the train wreck a little bit. And I'm also wanting to see if he escalates because yeah. I'm worried to like let my cat out. I'm kind of looking over my shoulder like, is he going to show up? And he did, he had, he didn't show up, but he, he had three dozen long stem red roses delivered to my job mm. with some card that said how much he and his dog missed me. And so I did take a picture of those and I sent it to him and I said, I got your flowers. There's a rose here for every time you called me a whore. Right. So yeah. That, so that didn't go over. So he continues to email, I make a police report. And Good. like two months later, an investigator actually calls me back one morning. And I was just thinking nobody was going to call me back that they don't take this kind of cyberbullying seriously, but right. they do. Good. That's awesome. My police department did anyway. That's awesome. And I don't know if we can share the story of the officer and his name or not. We sure can. And if we have to cut it out, we will. Well, so the investigator, I couldn't have asked for a better person to approach Trent about the situation because this guy, he calls me and he's got this heavy Northeastern accent, right? He sounds like he's from NYPD Blue. And he's like, good morning, is this Lisa? And I'm like, yeah, th this is. He's like, this is Michael Palmieri with the Mission Police Department. How are you today? And I'm like, I'm good. And he's like, I'm sorry it's taken me two months to get back. I'm like, okay. He's just like, is this Trent still emailing you? And I said, yeah. He's like, how many emails are there? And I went 200 and he just laughed. He said, well, I don't need all 200, but send me one or two. And then I got his contact here. I'm going to give him a call and I'm going to tell him that he made some very poor choice <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. You want me to charge him with harassment? And I said, no, because I don't want to go to court. I don't want to see him again. I just, I think this will scare him enough. He's like, well, if he contacts you after today, you let me know. You call me at this number. And because if he tries to reach out to you after today, that means he didn't listen to me. And if he doesn't listen to me, I'm going to show up at his job 
with a couple of offices and they don't like it when you show up to the job. And I'm like, no, they don't. Mm-hmm. He especially wouldn't like that. So the email stopped and nice. I felt um, vindicated, like protected. And I told Michael nice. Palmieri that God bless Michael Palmieri. Thanks, Michael. That's really awesome that they did that because a lot of women have a hard time getting anybody to do anything to help. Yeah. yeah. It's that was good on Mike. Thanks, Mike. So my um, big question then is, are you going to start a rock band called Standardized Horror? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's an excellent opportunity. Punk. Punk band. Absolutely. Hell yeah. And the name of our album will be Throw the Hit. (laughs) (laughs) On the missionary tour. great <laughs> you heard it here folks <laughs> somebody well, listening will start a band called standardized for and we have this proof that it was our idea yes or and then i'm going to send you the email there's going to be a ton of shit that people can go out and see these emails and 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 pull a bunch of hilarious stuff from it because it's it's unreal yeah we'll add that to our patreon for sure for folks to so, pay a little extra to see this kind of stuff. Um, one thing that I want to say to the listeners that I guess I didn't realize is like, this is a real form of, 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 of manipulation. The fact that they have access to like text and email and social media are just new tools for mm-hmm. somebody to, to manipulate you with and it's even easier for them because they don't have to be in person like that's what i didn't understand was why was it coming in in a text and he wouldn't talk about it in person and also that we have access to the internet and we're learning all this stuff about narcissists and gaslighting and love bombing and all of that but so do they they're Mm -hmm. reading all this stuff and they're getting smarter about the ways that they manipulate Absolutely. That's why I feel like platforms like this are so important to share those stories so other people can hear it and maybe save themselves before something horrible happens or they can recognize it at the beginning of a relationship or just spread the awareness. Mm -hmm. I think it's one thing to, and you're right, I think it's one thing to read about informative information about what all this is, you know, like WebMD or whatever, psychology today, but to hear an actual account um, or even just living through it, it's like so, like you said, intoxicating. Like his emails, when you read them, I saw him go through the abuse cycle like several times where he would rip me down. And then he would send me like five or six really nice emails and say, I love you. I loved you and your daughter. I was excited about our future together, all this stuff. I didn't mean to say all that and then go right back into ripping me down again the next day. Yep. That keeps you in that cycle. And I just sat there and watched it. And if I were in person, it would have been really hard to say, "Mm -mm, no, that's why they say, you know, boundaries like brick walls with these people. I'm not talking like I gave him a little push, push back. Like, don't, I don't like it. This is weird behavior. 
but he always had an excuse or reason or whatever. Well, and they, they pick people who have great ability to reason and to empathize and to understand and to be able to say like, I see that you have a past trauma around this and I want to help you work through it. Like that you have to be an empathetic person to attract people like that. You know, like it's a, it's a good quality that pulls those people in. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. He kept Definitely. saying that towards the end too. I need your help, Lisa. I need your help. I'm like, you don't need my help, motherfucker. You need a therapist and AA probably. Right. I'm yeah. not here to help you. So I think women, especially it's a big overgeneralization, but I need help is a very hard thing for most women to walk away from. At least it always has been for me. It makes me feel very guilty because we've been programmed to protect and to nurture and to fix mm-hmm. when it's not our bullshit to fix. Fix yourself. Show up healed. Not dealing yeah. with it. I think Trent Trent saw my picture on Facebook. My friend posted it on my birthday. And I think what he did was saw a pretty girl and went for her. Right. And this is an update. So... It's been like month, a, a few weeks since I the emails have stopped. Oh, this was this recent. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. didn't realize that. I thought this was just, like a long time ago. Just no, no. I'm just now coming out of the eye of this hurricane. Wow. Uh, okay. And I processed it quickly, I think, because I was keen to what was going on. Like this gotcha. isn't the first time I've been love bombed before. Right. And and I I, ch- I I was in control of the situation the entire time. Now, even though it took its toll on me, right, I still was aware that something's not right. I shouldn't be feeling this way four months into a relationship. No matter no matter what he's showing me in person or telling me in words or buying me or whatever, this other thing is just not right. So the story goes on a little bit after he quits emailing me. I get this DM on Facebook, which is really strange because A, I don't get many DMs on Facebook and B, it's from a woman I haven't talked to in probably two or three years that I worked with formerly. And she was a mutual friend of Trent's and mine on Facebook. And she reached out out of the blue to, to ask me if I was still dating him. And I'm like, why? And hi, how are you? I haven't talked to you in a long time. She's like, well, because he reached out to me and asked me to go for a cocktail out of the blue. She's like, I don't, I barely know him. We, we know each, we're acquaintances from an event a long time ago. So he was either trying to get to me through her or trying to get a date with her to get back at me. I have no idea, but it was another weird thing since he's blocked on all my other medias that he would try that. And then another thing was I did a background check on him on the internet, like one of those people searches that you pay $35 for. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't necessarily any like criminal stuff, but he had an extra spouse I didn't know about. Wow. He he told me about two of his ex-wives, why he would leave the third one out was interesting to me. So of course I Googled her like we do. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're like, hmm. And I find her and she's a successful businesswoman and she donates um, her time mentoring uh, businesswomen who have been in abusive relationships. Ah, 
Interesting. There it is. In fact, all of his girlfriends that he loved to tell me about, I Googled all of them and they all on their Facebooks or web pages or whatever also donate time and money to abused women or shelters in some way, shape or form. So connect the dots. So he should really be like, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think his he is the common denominator. That well, one. I mean, I think some people might listen to this story and be like, well, so what? He was a jerk that harassed you in email. But I mean, I think it was indicative of a far more dangerous situation. So that's what I want people to hear is not to take that stuff lightly. Absolutely. And maybe get a background check on people. <laughs> Yes. I think I'm going to be yeah. one of those girls that's like, that now that's just like before I get, go on a date, background check. Yeah, you can't be too careful anymore. And uh, anybody that would have a problem with you doing a background check is a red flag, like on its own. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely. If they don't have anything to hide, they shouldn't have an issue with you doing a background check. Well, they don't even have to know. And vice right. versa. Well, that's true, too. Yeah. The internet. But even if they did. They shouldn't yeah. have a problem with that. Right. I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't have an issue little, with that. They might look at it a little bit sideways. Like if somebody you know, came off to me and said, I'm going to do a background check before I date you. I'm just not going to tell them. Another thing that I wanted to mention was um, going through something. I Going through something like this, I found a trauma therapist. And it's been really helpful in dealing with this particular situation because I didn't want to talk it out with a regular therapist, didn't need to. I just wanted, um, what, what I mentioned before, I think was that it disrupted my sleep pattern and I was stressed out all the time and feeling scared and looking over my shoulder and that's trauma. So there's a thing called the stress cycle that I don't know if I talked about, but trauma therapists are experts in dealing with that because I couldn't physically do, you know, protect myself from or do the things that I would want to do to him because it would land me jail time, right? To protect myself. Then a trauma therapist helped help me deal with that in a healthy way. So if you experience this kind of narcissistic abuse, it's really important that you go and get some trauma therapy. Definitely. That's great that you found that and it's helping. And that's great advice. Thank you. And that's pretty much it. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm the part of doing this is my closure on it. Um, I believe that if you talk about things, it just perpetuates the negativity. So I hope this helps some people and then I don't ever want to talk about it again. Yeah. We appreciate okay. you doing it. I know it takes a lot of energy and emotional currency to rehash painful things, but I guarantee it will help someone. Good. Yes. Well, thanks for having me, and and it's good of you guys to be doing this podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much, Thank Lisa. You. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it so much. If you want to support our show further, you can share our podcast with your friends, follow us on our socials at Pod, or sign up for our Patreon to help keep the show going with a donation. Or you can become a patron for exclusive access to bonus content and interact with us and other loyal listeners on our feed. Meanwhile, if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a positive review. If you didn't, no worries. Move on about your day. If you want to share your story on our show, please visit our website at ngcompod.com to fill out the contact us form. Thanks again for listening. 